Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. Once again, we're joined in our studio today by Francis Ball to fellowship about today's message from chapter 17 of Genesis. Welcome back, Francis. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Francis, Genesis chapter 17 is a record of more of God's crucial dealings with Abraham. God has had a lot of dealings with Abraham already. What makes the ones in this portion of Genesis even more crucial? Well, in the previous messages... We've seen how God has dealt with Abraham and how Abraham has failed, made mistakes. But in the dealings which we are about to see today, Abraham has offended God. We all know what it's like to fall in our attempts of seeking the Lord. Sin has frustrated us. The world has distracted us. Sometimes even Satan has deceived us. And by His grace, God has dealt with us to bring us back to Himself, to forgive us. He's cleansed us, washed us, not only in His precious blood, but also in the water of the Word. But we need to pay close attention to the dealings of the Lord in this message. This has to do with the offending of the Lord Himself, and thereby Abraham loses God's presence. I see in this that to fail is one thing, But to offend the Lord is another thing. What it is to offend the Lord, I believe Witness Lee will show us in this message what that means. So let's join that life study as we're going to see more of Abraham's dealing with God. Here's Witness Lee with this very significant life study from Genesis 17. Tonight we have come to Genesis chapter 17, which is a record of God's crucial dealing with Abraham. Thus far, we have seen how Abraham was called, and he has received God's promise, and he has received also God's covenant. After he got the covenant, he took his wife Sarah's proposal to take the expediency of Hagar by exercising his flesh to produce Ishmael. Humanly speaking, it was not so serious for him to do that. But according to God's economy, for God's eternal purpose, that was serious. So if you read the last verse of chapter 16, and compare it with the first verse of chapter 17. You could see in between of these two chapters, there were 13 years passed without any record of Abraham's life. 
not many people do realize the seriousness of our natural self. We all realize the seriousness of sin. If we sin right away, we would confess to God. But sin only offends God's righteousness. But listen to this. Our natural self offends God himself. God wants to get into you, to be your life, and to be your everything, that you may live by him, and that you may work by him, and you may do everything by him. But now you put him aside. You just do everything by yourself. This natural self is against God himself. It is not just something against God's righteousness or God's holiness. This is something against God himself. God's intention with Abraham was that God would do something of himself into Abraham. That Abraham might bring forth a child to fulfill God's purpose. God didn't intend Abraham to do this by his natural strength. But he did it. It was an insult to God. So God disappeared from this dear called one for 13 years. Now after 13 years, God came in and said to Abraham, I am the all-sufficient God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. First of all, this title of God, the all-sufficient God. In uh, Hebrew, this is a compound title. Eli Shaddai. Eli means the mighty one, the strong one. Shaddai means all-sufficient. The mighty one who has an all-sufficient supply. When Abraham did that thing by his natural self, he just forgot God as his all-sufficient supply. So God came in and said to him, I can supply you all what you need. I am the all-sufficient one that can supply you whatever you need for your living, for you to fulfill my eternal purpose. Well, Francis, I'm intrigued by the scenario that we have. God, after much dealing with Abraham, now disappears from him for 13 years and then reappears as the all-sufficient one. Two questions come to my mind. First, why did God leave him for such a long time? And then secondly, what is the meaning of this title, the all-sufficient one? Well, first of all, I believe God has left Abraham for such a long time, 13 years actually, because Abraham was still strong and still trying to do things by his own strength. As long as Abraham had his own plan 
to work out God's promise and to carry out God's covenant, God left him alone. This often is our case, too. We get some kind of assurance of God's intention for us or to do something. He promises something, and then we find a way to work it out. As long as we do this, we will offend God, and we may lose his presence. Abraham lost the presence of the Lord for those 13 years, not because God was through with him, but because God had to wait for him to run out of strength. In this case, he waited for him to get too old to do anything more. He will come to fulfill his own purpose when we ourselves are out of strength. He will let us do what we think we can until we can't, until we're out of strength. As to uh, the term El Shaddai, this means the Almighty, All-Sufficient One. Witness Lee has made it abundantly clear that our God is ready to be whatever we need Him to be. God has a full supply to meet every need of His children. And if we really realize that we are not able to carry out God's plan, but just receive His supply, we will have adequate supply to meet the need. God wants to do everything for us and be everything to us, and yet we have to do something. But what we have to do really is just receive, just take the supply that He Himself is. Witness Lee is going to continue that thought, Francis, in this next section as we're going to see that to walk before Him means that we need to just enjoy Him. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Walking before the Lord means you have to enjoy Him. Enjoying His all-sufficient supply. Now we understand what is to walk before God. I tell you, while you are enjoying His supply, you are just walking in His presence. What is to be perfect? To be perfect here doesn't mean Abraham was not good. No, to be perfect here means he was short of God. Regardless how perfect you could be by yourself, you are still short of God. Without God, we are short of something. We need to be perfected by God, and we need to be perfect with God. In your home life, I tell you, if your home life is without God, that home life is not perfect. In your marriage life, if there's no God, that marriage life is short of something. To walk before me means what? Means to enjoy me. To be perfect means to have me added to you. The perfecting factor and the perfection is just God himself. God has to be added into your life. Otherwise, your life is imperfect. There's no reason for you to be imperfect. No excuse. Whatever you are short of, God is. What is your shortage? Whatever it is, God is that. You are short of 
what? Strength, God is strength. You are short of energy, God is the energy. You are short of this, God is this. You are short of that, God is that. So, God's all-sufficiency requires you to be perfect. What is to be perfected? Practically speaking, that is not to exercise yourself anymore. Not relying upon the strength of the flesh, but trusting in the all-sufficient mighty one. All the time, for your life and for your work, you shouldn't rely upon the exercise of yourself. You shouldn't rely upon the energy of your flesh. But all the time, you trust in the all-sufficient God in everything. We have to trust in God in every moment. Don't try to overcome your temper. You just forget about the temper. You trust in God for every moment. Then you see what will happen. Every imperfection is due to one thing, that we are off. We are away from the all-sufficient material. Amen. We all have to learn just to keep all the time ourselves in God. Never let yourself be off. Keep yourself all the time in God. This is the way to be perfect. The perfecting factor to our life is God himself. You need to have God added into your life. Well, Francis, in this section, Witness Lee has developed somewhat the matter of being perfected, being made perfect. First of all, I don't believe that the meaning here is quite in the same vein as our usual understanding of the term perfection, is it? Well, you're surely right. The use of the term be perfect, as God spoke to Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. Using that term here is not talking about our perfecting ourselves in our moral and ethical sense. Many times, Christians like to excuse themselves from their failures and so on by saying, well, Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. Surely we're forgiven, but we're still very short of something. By using the illustration of a hand having only four fingers without a thumb, it's easy to see that the thumb perfects the hand by being added to the hand. A hand without a thumb is not perfect. It's not what it should be. You can apply this to our being perfect means God wants to complete us by adding himself to us. It's not that God saves us by Christ's death on the cross and then leaves us to perfect ourselves. But God's intention is to add himself to us. If we go back to the very beginning of the Bible, you can see God's intention was to add himself to Adam. But Adam took in another source. Therefore, he didn't have God added to him. 
But since the death and resurrection of Christ, God's intention is to add himself to us. So what he was talking to Abraham about in those olden days was that Abraham should walk before God and be perfect. In other words, let God be added to him. It's not that whether we're morally perfect or imperfect or whether we fail or don't fail. We're not perfect because we're not whole. We don't have God added to us. If God is not added to us, we're surely not complete. So if you're without God, you're incomplete. That means you're not perfect. Witness Lee made this important and enlightening statement. He said, the perfecting factor of our life is God himself. Well, hang on to that statement, Francis. I think that says it very, very well. Let's go back to Witness Lee and the conclusion of this life study. Now, we come to the change of name. Abraham changed to Abraham. Abraham means the exalted father. And Abraham means the father of a great multitude. I'd like to tell you a little interesting point. In Hebrew, the name Abraham was composed with four letters, A, B, R, N, represented by English letters. Then Abraham, this name, was composed with only one letter more. That is H. This means four plus one. Four is the number of creatures, and one is the number of creator. Man plus God is perfection. The real significance of the changing of the name of Abraham was God was added in. Then, the change of Sarah's name. Sarah was called Sarai. That means my princess. Now, she's changed to Sarah, which means princess. Princess. My princess is something in a narrow way. Princess is something in a wider way. She will be the mother of many nations. Not in a narrow way, but in a wider way. When we have God added in, we become wider. We become broader. If you are going to be a broadened person, with a broadened view, with a broadened heart, even a broadened spirit, you need God to enlarge you. As long as we don't have God added, we always say, my, 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 my interest, my profit, my future, my, my, we don't care for others. I feel quite meaningful with the changing of these two names. Number one, you have to have God added into you. Then number two, you will be broadened. You will become not only a high father, but a father of a great multitude. Amen. 
you will be no more my princes. You will be princes of nations. For the fulfilling of God's eternal purpose, we all need such a change. A change which God added into our being to broaden our narrow person. How could God be added to us? And how could we be broadened? We need the circumcision. God thus far had been always faithful to his promise. But Abraham on his part was not. He was not faithful because of his natural strength. So God here made a confirmation of his covenant by having Abraham circumcised. In the New Testament, we could find out the real significance of circumcision. To put off the old man. It is not just a matter of sin. It is just a matter of the flesh. It is a matter of the old man. Circumcision is just to terminate yourself. To terminate your flesh. What God wants is to come into you. To be everything to you. But you have your natural being. With your natural strength. And this old man and this Oh, self, this flesh is a real frustration to God being everything to you. So, this self, this old man, has to be terminated, has to be circumcised, has to be crucified. Now, there's no more I, but Christ that lives in me. We all have to declare this, and we all have to live in this way. Realizing that we, the old man, the self, has been crucified. I tell you, right away, the very God of resurrection has a way to come into you, to be everything Francis, all of these items, God's absence from Abraham for a long period, his changing of the names and the circumcision, all have to do with Abraham's natural strength and his self being dealt with. There certainly is an application here for us as well. Practically, how do we live a crucified life so as to be useful to God and useful to him for his purpose? Well, you know, ever since God created man, he has chosen to do everything through man. One time, Witness Lee pointed out that the Bible is written primarily for believers, so we who believe and seek to take him as our life, to be perfect, must see that these experiences Abraham had are written for our learning. We learn from this message that we must be terminated in our flesh, in our doing, in our work, whether it's good or bad, and we need to receive the all-sufficient supply from the Almighty God who is sufficient to accomplish His purpose 
in and through us. We need God himself as our life. To experience a crucified life means that we have ceased from our own doing. When we receive Christ as our Savior and our Lord, it's because we realize we cannot save ourselves. But strangely enough, many Christians think that they receive Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, and now the rest of it is up to them. But this is a real offense to God. We've been reconciled to God by the death of His Son. But we're being saved day by day in His life. So, to be crucified and to live a crucified life is simply to live by, in, for, and to live out Christ Himself, who was crucified, resurrected, and then became the life-giving Spirit to be our life in every way and not to live by ourself. Our being perfected then really doesn't have directly anything to do with perfecting our own behavior, but rather it's the addition of this element of God himself. That's right. And what he expects from us is not to do anything, but to just enjoy him as our life and the all-sufficient one day by day. Abraham eventually learned that lesson, Francis. I hope we all do ourselves. Thank you for your fellowship today. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.